See all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson tonight comes again from our one word series. And tonight's word is kingdom. I don't know that I've ever heard a lesson on the kingdom. But um, hopefully I'll present one that will be helpful in some way. What do you think upon hearing the word kingdom? We think of a king, obviously. In order to have a kingdom, there must be someone to govern that kingdom, someone to be the head of that kingdom. Um, most of it, I think, comes from uh, foreign countries because we've been raised in the United States. And we've been raised under a democracy. So, as we look at, at a kingdom, most of the time we might think of England or something of that nature, uh, but not necessarily here in America. It's a little bit different here. Um, a, a king was over a certain area or territory, um, and there are subjects of that kingdom. So whoever the king or queen might be, uh, they have subjects under them. You have those that are subject to them by way of just being in that area. Uh, maybe there are areas that have been conquered in some way. And so they're subject to a certain ruler. We see it a lot in the Old Testament, especially uh, whenever you look at different nations coming in. And especially when we look at Israel. Because when we look at Israel, we see that they eventually were allowed to be taken captive by other nations. And they became subjects of other kingdoms. And so we think of that whenever we think of the word kingdom. Mostly... From a spiritual standpoint, we think of the kingdom of God. We understand that God is king. God rules, is the ruler over all people of all the world from the beginning of time even to today. His subjects are those who submit themselves to his rule. We submit ourselves to him when we follow the words of the gospel. When we follow the words of the Bible. And so we become his subjects as Christians. The kingdom of God is like unlike any other. His kingdom will never cease. It will never be conquered. No matter how many kingdoms rule and how great those kingdoms are, the kingdom of God is greater and always will be greater. His rule over His kingdom will be forever and His kingdom will have no end. Though we often think of the kingdom being a part of this world as far as the church is concerned. We understand that the church is the kingdom. No other kingdom will ever be as great as the kingdom of God. This kingdom will last longer than, than time on earth does. It will go into eternity. We've been promised that and we can believe that promise to be so. Our lesson objectives for tonight are first of all to learn more about the kingdom and the rule of God. And secondly to submit ourselves to the rule of our king. We begin with the kingdom of God. The king. The kingdom of God. The king of the kingdom of God is none other than, other than God himself. God is ruler of his people. 
When His people wanted a king, God granted their desire, but not without warning. So we begin in 1 Samuel chapter 12, and verses 6 through 12. 1 Samuel 12, beginning with verse 6. Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron, and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which He did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt, and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt, and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, He sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. And they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreth. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jeroboam, Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side. And you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash king of the Ammonites came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us. When the Lord your God was your king. The people wanted a king. They wanted to be like the nations around them. They wanted to be like everyone else. And so many times we see many people, even today, they get into trouble from wanting to, to be like everyone else. But the people wanted a king. What they didn't realize in their desire for, the, for a king is that God was already their king and had been since the beginning. Samuel goes back to the days of Moses and Aaron and tells them how God had been with them in every situation that they had faced and everything since that time. And it even goes back further than that. We see it in the beginning of Israel. And really even further than that. But we see that God had been their king all the while. So they wanted a king, but they didn't recognize God as their king. In allowing the people their king, Samuel warned them not to neglect serving God. God is going to allow you your king, but don't forget God. Don't forget to serve God. Picking up with verse 13, or 1 Samuel 12 now therefore he is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. 
God remained their king and ruler as long as they remained subject to Him. Even though there was a king now under Him, above the people, God was still their king. Always would be. God's kingdom, mentioned as present in the Old Testament, Psalm 145, verses 11 through 13, has existed in some form since at least the nation of Israel, referred to in Matthew 21 and verse 43. Though the king had subjects since the days of creation. We go back to Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were subject to the ruler of God, weren't they? And so many others that follow in that line up until Israel. The kingdom exists today in the form of the church. As we read in Matthew chapter 16. And in future tense, the kingdom is also referred to in its final heavenly state. 2 Peter 1 and verse 11. In the fullness of time, Jesus came with the message of the kingdom. Mark 1 and beginning with verse 14. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Though the kingdom of God had existed with the Jews, this kingdom would soon be established in the church. The Jews received the message first before it was given to the Gentiles. Romans 1 and beginning with verse 16, Paul writes... For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Jesus promised its coming in the presence of his apostles. Going to Matthew 16, and beginning reading at verse 13, we read this. Matthew 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The rock that the church would be built on was not Peter himself, but his faith, his confession of faith. 
That was the rock that the church was founded on. And even today it is still founded on those who have faith in God. Those who believe in Christ. And in verse 19 Jesus says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now whether or not this is talking about Peter specifically. I do think Peter was given the keys of the kingdom. We understand that Peter unlocked the doors of the kingdom. The church's establishment in Acts 2. In Acts 2 and verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Some 3,000 souls were saved following their obedience on that day. He opened the door for them and telling them what they needed to do. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Peter was also the one who unlocked its doors for the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 preaching the gospel to the house of Cornelius. We'll look at Acts 10 and verses 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Even though they had received this gift of the Holy Spirit, they had been able to speak in tongues and to magnify God. As, as it is said in verse 46, they still needed to be baptized. And so they were baptized for the remission of their sins. Anyone wishing to be a part of the kingdom today can obey the gospel as both of these groups did, as both the Jews and the Gentiles were told to do through repentance, through confession of Christ as we read in Acts chapter 8 with the Ethiopian eunuch and baptism for the remission of sin. Those are the way that we become Christians. Only through obedience to the gospel can we be a part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is ruled and governed by God, who is described as a righteous judge in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Whereas earthly kingdoms have a number of governors ruling under the authority of the king and, and helping to keep everyone in line, God is everywhere at all times and well able to rule his kingdom himself. He is the king of it. 
It is said of Christ in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In the day of judgment, we're told in Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And in verse 41, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angel. Jesus also stands as king and judge, as he is God. This kingdom is described in different ways throughout the New Testament. First of all, as a kingdom of great value. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 44, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The overall theme of these verses is that the kingdom of God is greater than any possessions that we might have on earth today. It's like a treasure that is hidden in a field and, and when this man has found this treasure he buries it. He sells all that he has to buy the field to obtain the treasure by law. It's like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls and, and when he's found this one pearl of great price he sold all that he had to buy this one pearl. It's of that great a value. The kingdom of God is of great value or should be of great value to us. Now, there may be people talk about the church, God's kingdom. They may put us down in one way or another, but do we love the kingdom enough? To stand up for the truth. To defend her whenever someone does so. Do we love each other enough to treat each other with kindness and compassion 
and respect. Not quarreling over minute things, but do we love one another in such a way, just as if we are family, because we are. I have a friend that that refers to the church in a way that I've, I've never heard anyone refer to it. But he refers to it as a forever family. I think there's a lot of truth to that. We are a forever family. If we are faithful, we are in the family of God, and the family of God will be gathered in eternity together in God's presence. The kingdom is of great value. And to see it demoralized and, and hurt by things people say, sad to see. We need to see the kingdom as of great value. It is described as mysterious to many. Its mystery is revealed in Jesus' parables. In Mark 4, and beginning with verse 10, But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. The kingdom of God is also described as difficult for some to enter. Matthew 19, verses 23 and 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 5, verse 20, for I say to you that unless, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. In John 3 and verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It is difficult for them to enter not because God makes it difficult. It's not because God complicates things in such a way that they can't be understood. We can understand the gospel. We can understand what is taught in regard to the plan of salvation. But it's made difficult because they have difficulty accepting its terms and conditions, if you will. You know, if you sign up for something online or something of that nature, you have to agree to the terms and conditions. There are many that don't agree to God's terms and conditions for entrance into His kingdom. They cannot enter because of this. A final point the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are one and the same. These terms are used interchangeably throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But both are used to describe the same kingdom 
of God. However, they allude to different things. Um, the kingdom of God alludes to God as being the king of his kingdom. But the kingdom of heaven looks forward to the reward of those who serve God. The reward of those who serve God. The faithful subjects of the kingdom of God will be granted entrance into God's eternal kingdom in heaven where he dwells. We read of this reward in different places. Matthew 5 and verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit are blessed because their treasure is not in the things of the world. Matthew 6, same sermon. Verses 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the poor in spirit, we see that they uh, awaited their eternal reward. The poor in spirit were in fact very rich because their treasure was not in the world but in heaven. Look at how the church of Smyrna is described in Revelation chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. They were poor. They were poor in spirit. But they were rich because their reward was not in the things of the world, but in the things above. That's where our reward should be as well. The kingdom of heaven will overcome all earthly kingdoms. The book of Revelation is a message of victory for those who stand faithful to God. And in Revelation 11, in verse 15, the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever. In Revelation 12, verses 10, and 10 through 12, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, 
and you dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come to you, come down to you, having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Ultimately, the kingdom of God is victorious. It, it, it surpasses all other kingdoms, all other nations of the world, and his kingdom shall last forever. He shall reign forever and ever. Those who are faithful are part of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom that will spend an eternity with its king and ruler, God. The kingdom of heaven, from our standpoint, looks forward. It looks backward. It even looks at our present day. It refers to God's people throughout time. Those that humbled themselves before God and submitted themselves to His service. It refers to those loyal to the kingdom today. Those that are loyal to the kingdom today have been obedient to the gospel plan as presented in God's Word. Again, repentance, confession of faith in Christ and baptism for the remission of sin. When we are obedient to the plan of salvation, we are added to this kingdom. We're added by God Himself. Acts 2.47 And those who are found faithful will be part of the kingdom of God eternally. Are you a part of the kingdom of God? Are you one of His loyal subjects? Are you a Christian? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you lived a faithful life? Or have you turned away from God? I wanted to close with a poem. It's part of our one word thing. We have a little study guide that goes along with it. And there's a poem in here that I wanted to share with you. I forgot to add it to my notes. It was written by Godfrey Fox Bradby in 1933. The kingdoms of the earth go by in purple and in gold. They rise, they flourish, and they die. And all their tale is told. One kingdom only is divine. One banner triumphs still. Its king a servant and it's thrown across upon a hill. We understand that Jesus is the one that makes this kingdom possible for us to be a part of. It's through His shed blood on the cross that we can be a part of the kingdom of God. The conditions are that that we are obedient and that we remain faithful. 
I pray that we've all done that. But if anyone is in need of responding to the Lord's invitation, if you're in need of obeying or repenting, of rededicating your life to Him, if, if you need prayers on your behalf, if there's some way that we can help you, we offer this invitation to you. Let's together we stand and as we stand.